at their cornerback of the future, because that is Tredavious White, but their cornerback two of the future. So I think that was a great move. Um, And then drafting James Cook. I think drafting James Cook can be something that really revolutionizes this offense. And what I mean by that is not only can James Cook be a three-down back in the running game, he could be a three-down back in the passing game as well. Uh, I feel that the Buffalo Bills are going to utilize James Cook kind of like how Alvin Kamara was utilized his rookie season. They're going to use Devin Singletary, more of that Mark Ingram role. And I think you could see a very, very productive RB1 and RB2 uh, system in the Buffalo Bills backfield with Devin Singletary and James Cook. And I and I think after you know midway through the season, you'll see James Cook starting to get more and more touches. And they're going to be... Um, very important touches, whether that's you know late in the season, um, in cold weather games, on fourth down, on third, third and short, uh, third and long, getting receptions, you know, lined up like the ability that the Buffalo Bills are going to have now to just go five wide, and like it's going to be we have threats all over the field when going five wide, like we you know we'd go five wide last year, and you'd have like Zach Moss or Singletary or even Brita um, as one of the backs running a route, like. You know, it's like, okay, it's there if they're a check-down option, but it's not really a threat. Like, they, they can't run the routes that, you know, some of these elite running backs can, like uh, Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara, CMC, uh, Austin Eckler. But now you got a guy like James Cook, and they were basically saying, like, James Cook has that slot receiver feel. He just knows where to, you know, put himself in his zone. He knows how to make that right cut on a route. He just knows you know, the ins and outs of really running routes as a running back, especially from the slot position. So I think I think that's that is telling. So now you got three guys, four guys actually, because you got uh Khalil Shakir, um and other guys. So you got four guys now on the Buffalo Bills current roster that can, you know, work from the slot. I think that's very telling to what Brandon Bean, uh Ken Dorsey and Sean McDermott want to do in this Buffalo Bills offense and I think it was great. But overall, the draft class was just exceptional. Yep. Now, uh, I actually came prepared for once. I watched film on some of these guys uh, after the Benjis last night. So I'll just give my uh, my thoughts on our first couple of picks. So Kair Elam, obviously love that pick. Um, he's got this is a guy. He's got NFL size at six foot two. He's got speed. You know, runs a sub four four. You know, he's good in press man coverage. I watched his uh, Alabama tape against Jamison Williams, and you know, good press man guy, physical, sticky. He's got good ball skills. Um, he's good at anticipating breaks and routes, and then obviously he's got the closing speed to you know to make plays on the ball. A couple downsides, he has a tendency to get a little grabby, like he's a bit of a jersey tugger, especially if he can't get hands on a guy off the line. But that's something that, you know, can be worked on in the NFL. And I think that, you know, he has to work on that because that'll, that's something that they're more of a stickler of in the NFL than in college. So they got to work on that. And he's he's an okay tackler, but we didn't bring him in to be some, you know, elite tackler like Richard Sherman. Just be good enough. Um, looking at James Cook, this guy's game's predicated on speed and elusiveness, which, you know, as a Bills fan, you love to hear. I mean, he ran a 4-4-2 40-yard dash, which is something the Bills have lacked desperately in their backfield over the past couple of years. You look at Singletary and Moss, they're both 4-6 guys, so to have a guy that's, you know, 4-4 is great. He's got great lateral quickness. Quickness, You know, he can make these cuts laterally without losing speed. 
Um, the thing that's got I and probably a lot of other Bills fans excited is he's a great receiver, whether it be out of the backfield or even split out wide. You know, I saw a couple examples on his tape of him, you know, splitting out wide and uh, torching linebackers on, you know, stop and go routes. So he can do it out of the backfield or out wide. Um, he's got good mental processing and technique when it comes to pass protection, like, you know, being able to recognize stunts and just, you know, getting his hands on guys or throwing his body into people. Now, the thing that worries me a little bit with James Cook is he's not the biggest or the strongest guy in the world, doesn't have great contact balance. He's probably not going to be a bell cow in the NFL. I mean, you look at his college career, he never had more than 12 carries in a single game and only five games with 10 or more carries. So, you know, he's probably not going to be a bell cow, but it'll be interesting and you know, it'll be interesting to see how he holds up against some of these bigger NFL linebackers and whatnot. But, you know, he's got the speed and the athleticism and the pass-catching ability, I think, to make an immediate impact in this Bills offense. And then Khalil Shakir, this is a guy I might be excited most for him out of this draft class than anyone else. He's kind of like a baseball center fielder. Like, he's good at adjusting to the ball in the air. Already, he's a pretty fluid and crisp route runner, and he is a playmaker with with the ball in his hands. He's got great contact balance. Uh, he's not afraid to put his head down and run someone over if he needs to, despite his kind of diminutive stature. Uh, he played a lot of snaps at running back for Boise State. Sometimes he has a tendency to run backwards, kind of like Tyreek Hill, Tariq Cohen. We've seen those guys do it before in search of big plays. So he'll just have to figure out, you know, when to fall forward and get the yardage he can get. And he's not really much of a run blocker, but I'm really excited for him he figures to be um maybe our slot guy with uh once Jamison Crowder's gone or even if they just cut Crowder outright in the preseason I'd figure uh he'd be in line for some slot targets but it'll it'll be interesting to see you know how much they uh integrate him into the fold in year one but and outside of that I don't really know too much about Bernard Benford Tanuta or um oh yeah I can touch a little bit on Terrell Bernard um Obviously, a linebacker that is a little undersized for people speculating him maybe playing the middle linebacker position. He is six foot. He is a little faster than Matt Milano. He is about the same height and build as Matt Milano. Uh, he has played more weak side linebacker, which will be interesting to see how they utilize him in this Buffalo Bills defense. I think as of right now, he's more of a kind of replacement for AJ Klein. And this is like my, like not bold prediction, but just kind of like a speculation that can go on. Uh, Tyler Medivkevich, um, obviously one of the best special teamers in the league, and he's on the Bills, led us in special teams tackles, I'm pretty sure, last year. And if they do release him, it is a $2 million cap space free up. And that would kind of be like Terrell Bernard's like way of you know getting a different kind of role in this team because obviously he's not going to play over Edmonds and Milano. It's just not going to happen. Even though the middle linebacker position is, you know, getting a little smaller it's not the prototypical build that Tremaine Edmonds is with his stature and his long length and size but six foot as a middle linebacker is still very small so I wouldn't really project for him to be the the next middle linebacker if we don't resign Tremaine Edmonds I still think the Bills could go somewhere else but I I think this is like a, like multiple moves they, they drafted Terrell Bernard to be more than just one like position on this team he's Matt Milano's backup He's AJ Klein's replacement. He is a guy that can take Tyler Medvedevich out on this team, and that frees up cap space. I think that this move was good. Uh, I, I like it. I'm not like the biggest fan. Like I thought we could have went somewhere else with that draft pick, but 
Brandon Bean has a you know, like a vision in mind, and I'm just gonna like kind of follow that vision yep. until we see the light of day. At this point, I'm just a blind witness. I know that's generally not a good thing, but Bean has proven time and time again that he has a good head on his shoulders. He knows what he's doing. So until he just does something egregious that makes me think otherwise, I will just take everything Bean does in stride and not question it because he knows what he's doing. I found it interesting that they – how many six-round picks did they have? Like three? Three. Mm. Um, I was punk god. Yeah, oh, they yeah. got how they, can we forget about the punk god? The funny thing is, is that he was the third punter off the board. Now, and he's ticked. Now, he's I think ticked. we're gonna have like the first ever punter with a chip on his shoulder in football. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's gonna single handedly carry us to the Super Bowl. And let me tell you what, I love some of the attitudes of these guys, like Kyir Elam. How you know when they got on the phone with him, he's like, "Put the playbook on the plane." And then I think Matt Ariza tweeted, "Like, give me a table to jump through." Like. Oh, I just love to see it. That just gets me going as a Bills fan because I say it all the time, but you know, just a couple of years ago, we were the NF- we were the Siberia of football. We're like no one wanted to come to Buffalo, and now like everyone, well, a lot of people want to come to Buffalo. It's it's a nice place to play. So just that turnaround that I've witnessed in my time being a Bills fan, you just love to see it. I I do have my thoughts on. Uh, you guys pretty much went over. What I was going to say about Elam, Cuck, and Bernard. Uh, Evan, thank you for taking my Medikevich take. Um, <laughs> but uh, K- Khalil Shakir, you-, you guys are missing something. He was a kick and a punt return. Something the Bills have not found still is a very dire need on this Bills team. Because McKenzie cannot hold on to the ball like the Colts said in their hard knocks. They're like, you get this guy, he's going to fumble. And he did. Uh, without saying it was McKenzie, but pretty much it was clear it was McKenzie. Stevenson's meh. Stevenson I, I, does a little too much that I just don't like. He right. does a little too much. Just so, go off the field, man. So I think this guy is going to be the the next kick punt returner. Stevenson's probably going on the practice squad this year um, because they're going to make room for this guy because he, he uh, let me see here. I have his stats up. Uh when he returned kickoffs, he got 26.7 yards per uh, kickoff return. And then on the punt returns, he got 12.8 yards hmm. per return. So, I mean, punt, yeah. I mean, you're not going to get that many punt yards. But, I mean, it, there's been a hole ever since Andre Roberts left. And I feel like this is the guy who's going to step up and fill that hole. Uh, how can you be mad with punt God, though? I mean, getting him... In sixth round is pretty much a steal, especially because um, I believe Lance Zerloin on NFL Network projected that he was going to have to go in the third round. <laughs> wow. Like and- the, the Bills were going to pick him with the 89th overall pick, which mm-hmm. wasn't going to happen. But, um, I mean, that he was even thought that he wouldn't even last past round three mm-hmm. in the game in round six is pretty much a steal. Uh, Luke. Tenuta, uh, the offensive tackle, he's a big, strong guy. I mean, he's a freak. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Bills love their freaks. I'm not going to question it at this point anymore. Um, He played, uh, I do know a little bit about him, he played left and right tackle in college, so maybe that's a guy that projects to be our swing tackle of the future. Yeah, that, that would probably be it. But that's pretty much my thoughts on the draft class. Yeah, you know, going over to uh, 
Luke Tanetta. You mentioned that he was a swing tackle. Something, something with Luke Tanetta. He's not just—he's not really good in pass pro, but he's very good as a run blocker. So it'll be interesting to see how they utilize him. Maybe because should... last year they drafted Spencer Brown to be a swing tackle. You drafted him in the third round, and he was going to be your new quote-unquote swing tackle. But they moved Daryl Williams inside, and then you have Spencer Brown as your right tackle, and then you don't have that swing tackle anymore. Uh, so I think drafting Luke Tanetta kind of, I wouldn't say gives him an automatic lock on this roster, but if he proves in training camp that he was worth that six-round pick as a swing tackle, they'll easily keep him around. Uh, you definitely don't want to get rid of a potential swing tackle. And then, you know, the, the depth, of, I like our depth at tackle. I, I really like our um, left and right tackle with Deion Dawkins and Spencer Brown. And then I like our depth at tackle as well. And I, I think, honestly... Our O-line depth is very solid, and, and I like it. Um, I, I think it's going to be good going into training camp. Uh, I'm just uh, surprised that we didn't draft an outside receiver. Like, I'm I'm really questioning what Brandon Bean has in store to, to add to this outside receiving room. I still think we're going to bring in a veteran one way or another. Uh, I, I think we have to. I, there's too many receivers on the market right now to not bring in one. Uh, plus, again, there's just a, a gaping hole. Um, for our third receiver spot, like th- there's there's nobody that could even compete, in my opinion, to even be worth a roster spot behind Diggs and Davis. Uh, you like you uh, could you could have McKenzie here and there, but like th- like you have no third outside. I I feel like they're waiting on Sanders' decision. He's not coming back. He's I not th- coming back. I he's think not, he could. No, no, no. He's, he's no. Like, not I know back. he saw his production decline. No, like no, Danny. Like he's not coming back. He hasn't announced it. Yeah, but like Dan, he's, he's, he's not. It doesn't matter. Back. He hasn't announced it. Until he announced it, there is still a chance that he comes back. And I would not be shocked because he said, if he plays one more year, it's going to be in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to be surprised if he just comes back for a year because he wants to win one more Super Bowl. And if he believes this team can do it and get over that Kansas A hump, he will come back. So don't knock it out right away just because of his age or because of his production decline. He was still a very good receiver in that first half of the year. He was very good. He scored touchdowns. He got open. Yes, his he went down in catches, but he was still targeted in maybe key moments. Well, th- this is my this is my problem. Like when you're bringing in a guy like Emmanuel Sanders, you're gonna play him. Like you have to play him. Like I'm, I'm not playing him over Gabe Davis. I'm not doing that thing again. I'm not keeping Gabe Davis. Close behind the curtain, close behind the shut door once again. And if you bring in a guy like Emmanuel Sanders, you kind of have to split targets with Gabe Davis. You have to split no, time on the field. Yeah, you do. No, Emmanuel- you don't. Dan, Emmanuel Sanders. He's w- old. He understands. No, not last year. Emmanuel Sanders wanted the playing time. He he had moments last year where he was like, why am I not playing as much as I want to? Emmanuel Sanders wants the playing time. He, you know, I mean, he rightfully deserves the playing time. Like, I don't want to bring in Emmanuel Sanders and have to play him the highest percentage of snaps like he did last year. Like, Emmanuel Sanders was playing the highest percentage of snaps out of any receiver on this team last year. Higher than Diggs, higher than Davis, higher than Cole Beasley. I mean, he was playing 85% of the snaps last year for for most of the season. I mean, are you also not forgetting that he can play slot, too, if he really wants to? They can put him at slot. Yeah, I mean, like, so I, he can be that flex guy because you're saying that McKenzie can't go back and forth. Sanders can't. Sanders can go back and forth all he wants. We, we have Crowder and Shakir. Like, I'm, I'm well, fine. Shakir's going to be your point return guy. I don't think he's going to get many catches. Yeah but, yeah, but like, okay, but Dan, if you're keeping 
Diggs, Davis, Sanders, McKenzie, Shakir, Crowder. Like, how many receivers are we going to keep? Because you can't just keep Shakir as a punt returner. You have to be able to play him. You have Isaiah McKenzie. We never used Andre Roberts as a, when we kept him. Yeah, but that's also when the Bills weren't a transcending passing offense. We like never really now. used Marquez Stevenson. Marquez Stevenson was only on this roster for a select amount of games. Look, we also we that, cut that, down our that, tight ends. That that means that they are not using their kick returner or their punt returner in the wide when, receiver game. They are keeping him fresh for when kick Isaiah and punt McKenzie return. was here, and he was doing the punt and kick returns. He was a vital part of this offense. Yeah, until he started fumbling. He only he had the, 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 the two one two fumbles. Yeah, still that's enough. They don't want fumbles. Well, yeah, obviously, but I'm saying it's like, why would we keep all these receivers? That do different things on the roster. That's just like a waste of because roster Because that's spot. what you need in this league. You no. need fast guys. You need big yeah, guys. But, yeah, you but, need no, tall but, guys. But Dan, why would you select one guy as a punt returner? One guy as a punt kick returner. One guy as a versatile gadget guy. One guy as a primary slot guy. Because maybe that fits the yeah, new like, scheme. Yeah, Remember, we don't know what Dan. this new scheme is going to be. No, yeah, I, 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 it's you, be... you can have a perfectly good idea in your head, but we won't know until preseason or week one. Well, Dan, this this offense is going to be more two tight end set run. We ran that six to eight percent of the time last year in twelve personnel. It's going to be about twelve to fifteen percent, twelve, twelve to fifteen percent uh, up this year in twelve personnel. It's going to be a lot of eleven personnel. I could expect a lot of five wide with James Cook added to the to the field, like. There's just not enough room to bring a guy like Emmanuel Sanders back. Like you need a guy that strictly plays outside. It, it's like money. There's always money. There's always room. You earn the spot. Yeah, but like you're you're only if carrying he six earn receivers. The spot, he'll be cutting camp. He'll be cutting camp. Sanders? Yeah. Sanders would only earn the spot. Like that's I'm I'm just like don't want to bring him back because Sanders is a player that that needs playing time. Like you need to play Sanders. And we're not playing Sanders over Davis. Look, Brandon Bean has an unconditional love for Emmanuel Sanders. They tried to trade for him once, then they got him this year, or, or last year. They are they love Emmanuel Sanders and what he brings to this team. He do, it's just proven fact. Well, yeah, I'm not I'm not denying that they like what he brings. To so the team. I mean, it's just that you're gonna need guys to do different but things. Dan, the thing is, Sanders. Literally last year said and had moments with like the front office, like, why am I not getting the snap? Where percentage? is it? I don't see it anywhere. I'm trying Hold to on. Look can it I up. can I jump in here? Yeah, go for what it. What if so if not Emmanuel Sanders, then what veteran receiver could we bring in that's not gonna demand playing time? Because I mean you look at some of the top guys, Julio Jones, Jarvis Landry, Will Fuller, T. Y. Hilton, like they're all gonna want playing time. I was thinking time. Kenny Stills, um no, we, Kenny Stills but, already had his yeah, with the Bills. we yeah he, he <laughs> like, proved that he yeah he already right had thing. his tenure with the Bills. I mean, there's not many guys. I mean, unless I, if you really want Tavon Austin or I Muhammad ju- Sanu. I just think that if you're the Bills, I think that if you bring back an Emmanuel Sanders, I just don't think I just don't think he wants to. I think that he is – I feel like he's starting – he looks really good on television. When he was on Good Morning Football, he was great. Um, and I think that I don't, th- I, and I don't even know if the bills want him either because that what it's really coming back to what Arrington was saying that it's going to split. He's He is good enough to where he's going to want the ball. And it's just like, I just don't think that 
it, it, like especially you are slowing down the development of Gabe Davis, who literally had one of the greatest playoff performances in recent memory with the 200-yard four-touchdown game. But can you keep it up? Yes. Well, I mean, How do you know? Because he's young well, and he's talented. Well, Dan, talented. it's called development. Like, you, you have to trust in the fact that Gabe Davis can keep up his progression in the NFL and develop into yeah, a player. Yeah, but that's a pretty high benchmark yourself. Well, well we're not saying he's going to hit 200 yards every game. Yeah. We're saying, like, okay, this guy that we drafted out of UCF, UCF in the fourth round will be a good number two receiver in this league. And that's what we're banking on. We're not banking on the guy that's going to replace Stephon Diggs. We're banking on the guy that at times, if Stephon Diggs goes down, can be a capable receiver one and can be a capable receiver two when Diggs is getting double teamed, can get open. And he proved to do that in the Chiefs game, and I look that he can do that going forward. Like, there's nothing that is telling me that Gabe Davis is just going to magically slow down. He's and, been very productive in his two years, despite, I would say, a limited target share. I mean, he had 62 his rookie year, 63 this past year, 35 receptions both his first two years, about 550 yards, and he had seven touchdowns his rookie year and six this year. So he's been productive, and that's even, you know, splitting time at that outside receiver role with, you know, Emmanuel Sanders and guys like John Brown. So yeah, I think that this could end up—I think he could have a 1,000-yard season this year, and I could see him being a pro bowler this year. Nah, if Pro Bowl would be a little bit of a stretch because you're going to get Diggs is an automatically Pro Bowler. I know, but I think if you get two, you said how many? He had 500 yards receiving? 599 his rookie year and 549 this year. And that's off of if you, I think now that you're a number two receiver, maybe he'll get like close to a thousand. Like he'll just barely miss it. Kind of like what Cole Beasley did a few years ago where he just barely missed. And I think that he could make maybe a second team all pro. Um, I don't think, or a second or third team all pro. I think that's possible. Um, but I just, I just don't see Emmanuel Sanders back here. I, I'm not like trying to be mean, but uh double D, but it's just like, I, I it's just, like the Jerry Hughes situation right now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's it, honestly, it's identical. Um, both He'll still, be back. Jerry Hughes. Yep. Uh, both still have a lot left in the tank. I'm not denying that. Not disagreeing that. Both are obviously great leaders in the locker room and on the field. But it's just kind of let like why stop development and like you're not going to bring back Jerry Hughes because you have got three guys in that on that on this team in AJ Epinesa, Greg Rousseau, and Boogie Basham that all need playing time. They need playing time. They need to get on the field. You have Von Miller. Like, you have guys. Like, why would you bring back Jerry Hughes? There's, there's nothing. There's no reason to bring him back. Would I, you rather have Jerry Hughes or Shaq Lawson? Uh, I'd rather I'd ra- have Jerry Hughes. I'd rather have Shaq Lawson because rather- Shaq Lawson's a better run defender. And I think we're getting great pass rush efforts from Von Miller, Boogie Basham, and Greg Rousseau. Like, I think as, as, a, as a rusher, yeah, give me Jerry Hughes 10 mm-hmm. out of 10 days of the week. Yeah. But as a run defender, Shaq Lawson was up there as one of the better run defenders in the league. Like, yeah, he can stop the run. I'll give him that. And going back to the outside thing, like, like there, there's still a couple capable receivers that I wouldn't mind breaking in. Like, I'm not talking about I'm going to get, like, a number one receiver that wants playing time. Like, you're going to get a guy that knows his role as a third receiver on the team isn't going to say, like, hey, man, I want this percentage of snaps. I want, you know, to be targeted on these plays, like, whatever. Like like a guy like Will Fuller, Will Fuller's been knocked out for the last two years. He's he's gonna easily... go to Cleveland. He's not coming here. I mean, I'm just he's I'm just naming naming players like Will Fuller, guy like Keelan Cole. Keelan Cole could be a target that you just go out and get. Allen Allen Hearns, 
Or Burns failed his physical. Odell Beckham Jr. I mean, hey, he would have been the third option for the Rams if Robert Woods didn't get injured. I mean, nah. he went from luxury to Beckham necessity for them. Beckham wants money. I'm just talking about a guy that's like good, not great, knows his role as a third receiver. Just a guy that you can throw out there and rely on consistently. Um, I mean, I mean, geez, would like, you know, I don't know, Deshaun Jackson wouldn't be the, like, the worst. Target. No, Deshaun Jackson hates not game playing time. He's always complained. He's a drama queen when it comes to that. Muhammad that, Sanu? I wouldn't mind bringing in Muhammad Sanu, honestly. Uh, he just hasn't proved that he can he can do it anymore. I, I trust Sanders more than Sanu. Well, it's not saying that like I trust Sanders probably more out of any other players on this on this uh on this uh free agent market just because he knows the playbook. But it's just at the end of the day, like Sanders is gonna want his playing time, rightfully so he deserves it. And also how many of them are gonna wanna come in for cheap is the real question. Like how many of them want the veteran minimum? I assume, to play with Josh Allen, I would assume a, a handful of those guys would at least. I I I I still feel like that receivers nowadays still feel like there's enough in the tank where they could just be. Uh, and I I I just think that if you bring back one of these veterans, like say you bring back a Julio Jones. I'm I'm still going to come back to the idea that you're stunting the growth of a Gabriel Davis, and I think that it is vital. I think he could end up being the next, if whenever if he sticks around long enough, he could be the next number one. But right now, like he's the number he's the number two receiver. Probably should have been the number two receiver last year, but I understand why they brought in a veteran presence because last year they had John Brown, and then uh, this year, uh, excuse me, two years ago they brought in John Brown, and then last year they brought in Emmanuel Sanders. But I'm just saying I think that we, we can all agree that Gabriel Davis is the next big wide receiver on this Bills roster and probably deserves to get paid Um I just don't know if the Bills can be able to pay him with the salary cap. Maybe. Maybe the salary cap goes up and they have enough room to pay Gabe Davis. But I think that if if you're talking about bringing in another wide receiver, I feel like that they would want more playing time. And I just don't know if they... I just don't think that it would be smart. Because you have a younger receiving core. I would say... That Jay Crowder is going to make the roster. Jay this. Crowder from the Phoenix Suns. Oh yeah. my God, Jamison yeah, Crowder. Yeah, Mister Three me. Point Gosh. Let's go, Jamison Crowder. Sorry, Jamison Crowder. He'll make the roster. And even look at it. Um, it, it if you look at like Joe DiBiase treated uh, where the Bills were, Bills wide receivers were drafted. He has Diggs round five, Davis round four, Crowder is around four, McKenzie's five. Uh, um, Khalil is five. There is the only highest one is Gabe Davis in round four. So I'm not saying that going for a, uh, going for a first round running back is, uh, excuse me, a wide receiver isn't a bad thing, but I just think that you could find. And the Bills just, didn't even draft half those guys either. I know they didn't draft half those guys. A lot of these guys came in off a of free agent, a free agency. All right. Um, We'll take a quick break. 878-5104 is the number to give us a call. What are your thoughts on the Bills' opinion, and what do you expect maybe when the schedule comes out? You're listening to The Blitz here on 91.3 FM WBNY.
Welcome back to the Blitz here on 91.3 FM WBNY. Our special guest of the hour, Buffalo State women's lacrosse athlete Lauren Reno is on the show with us as we do this entire time here on the show. We have invited Buffalo State guests on, so I'd like to welcome in Lauren Reno to the show. Welcome in. Hi, thank you. So my first question is, is what was this? What was really this season like for you? You're a freshman, and I don't know what exactly it was like for you for high school, but what did it mean to finally have a quote-unquote normal season for you and the team? Yeah, so coming off of COVID, um, it was pretty nice to actually have a full season, no masks during the game. Um, We actually got to travel. It was really a fun experience this year because obviously college is a little bit different than high school lacrosse, but I had a lot of fun and I'm looking forward for next year. So what were you, what has been your thoughts on coach Ashley O'Brien? One thing I always like to ask every coach is what are, what are like every player, excuse me. What are your thoughts on Ashley O'Brien as a coach and what has she done for you this season? Um, so I call her Coach OB. I've had yeah. experience with her coaching me before. She coached my travel team, Stampede, um, a couple years ago. So I already knew her. I really like her coaching style and the way she actually cares about her players. Um, it was really nice playing for her. She's very competitive, makes practice fun, but also makes us work hard and get the job done. Yeah, I have a question uh, really quick. By the way, I'm Evan Harrington. I do your guys' play-by-play and stuff up in the booth. Um, But, you know, no matter what the score is, you guys are always kind of, like, vibing on the field and stuff. You guys always have a really good connection, and you guys are just really close as a team, it uh, it seems like. Can you just kind of describe, like, how close you and your teammates are, uh, just no matter what? Yeah, um, so I got really close to most of my teammates this year. It was really fun. In the locker room, there's always music playing. We're always dancing before games we play these two certain songs um and we just scream it at the top of our lungs in the locker room before we go out there and the energy is just always positive when you're friends with everyone having fun making funny jokes and comments the energy is just always going to be a lot so you mentioned that there's a lot of energy and a lot of like connection with the team like who's kind of like like the funniest person on the team who really gets the spirits up in the locker room okay so most of the team is super funny um but liz schulteis she's a senior she plays volleyball as well um she's hilarious her jokes and side comments are always just making everyone laugh and same with alicia vogel she's a freshman um i dorm with her she makes me laugh all the time just the funny comments and when they say it so seriously, it just makes it even better. Now, as a freshman, who who did you look up to as for, like, guidance if you needed help with something, like something to improve on your game? Was there um, a senior that you, that you went to, or was there a player that you kind of went to and said, hey, I'm trying to, you know, work on this to do better? Was there anybody on the team or even just, or if it was uh, Coach OB that helped you out? Yeah, so usually um, it would be Coach OB if I uh, needed guidance on the field. She was always open and listening to new ideas or questions and helping me out. But also um, Janae Nelson, our senior captain goalie, 
she was always there to like bring the vibes up and positive energy she was always smiling no matter what so if i came in and i could say something to her i could just see that smile and then just be in a better mood automatically for practice or even for a game and also julia my um julia wakna my locker was next to her this season and i became really close with her because her vibes and energy was just always really positive and she was always telling everyone to keep working hard and just keep your head up. So I really enjoyed them. All right. I have a quick two-part question here. So you had nine goals in the season. Uh, what was your favorite goal that you scored this past season? And as a team overall, what was your favorite team moment throughout this past season? Oh, I, I probably already know what she's going to answer with, but go ahead. Yeah, so obviously the Fredonia game. We went into four quarters of right. overtime. Um, that was a team accomplishment as well as one of my goals I scored in the You scored in the overtime. overtime, yeah. I was going to ask you what was your thoughts on the overtime winner, but he stole, you stole my thunder. <laughs> what were your thoughts on, like, now, was it just, like, a sudden, was it sudden death or was it, or was it just, like, a time period type of thing? Um, it was sudden death, so, like, so yeah, what was it? What was it like scoring a, a game-winning goal in overtime? It was cool. It was crazy. So like, I didn't even think about it. I just shot it. It went in, and everyone just screamed. Came over to me. I ended up falling over. Like when everyone hugged me, it was funny. But like the coaches, everyone came onto the field and just like was screaming. It was insane. So now that your your first season has gone through as. Uh, as a freshman, what what were your thoughts on just this this entire season? Um, I really enjoyed it. I'm grateful to be here and playing lacrosse because a year ago I didn't know if I even wanted to play in college, and I'm glad that I did. I'm glad OB reached out to me and offered me a spot on the team, and I'm excited for next year. Is that why you chose Buff State is because she reached out and offered, or, or was there any other reason? Um, well, it was hard for COVID for looking at schools, so... It is one of the reasons she reached out to me, and then I toured it. I mean, I liked it. it was close to my home because I'm from Hamburg, so I'm only, like, 20 minutes away. I really like the area, too, like the city vibes and everything. Yeah, so obviously you're a freshman, and there's a lot of things that for the next three years that you can work on and improve your game. Is there, like, anything as of right now, the season just wrapped up, you're going into summer at the end of the semester, is there a few things that in your game you feel like you can improve on going forward? Um, yeah, I want to improve my speed. I think, like, I'm not as fast as I can be, so I want to work on running faster. Yeah, as a midfielder, how much running do you feel like you are doing? Uh, it's crazy. If you look it up, it's like sometimes midfielders are running five to eight miles per game, and after some games you really feel it, like, I'll be dead. Yeah, like I played midfield in lacrosse, and I can just you know elaborate with you on that. It's 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 stressful, especially at the college level. I I can't compare to that one, but midfield in general is just you know just exhausting sometimes with the running. But can you kind of talk about how you approach the midfield position because it is a position that takes a lot of running and a lot of effort. You have to play a lot of offense and a lot of defense as well. Can you just kind of take us through that? Yeah, um, I started playing midfield. Right when I started playing lacrosse because I liked both sides of the field, you know, the offense, the scoring, shooting, like having the ball on your stick. But I also like D because um, you start everything. D, you're holding it down. You're not letting the other team get in. They can't win if they can't score. And midfield, I mean, it's been a journey. It's a lot of running 
And I actually hate running, but I don't even think about it when I'm, like, in the game. I don't think, oh, I'm actually running right now. I just do it. Um, so, like you said, you're from Hamburg, 20 minutes. So you know of the Buffalo Bandits. Yeah. And, bang, you've been to a couple games here and there. Uh, so I, I know the Bandits don't have a true midfield. They have more of a transition-type uh, play. But do you, whenever you watch their games or go to a game, do you ever pick up on something that, oh, I want to bring that to my side of the game? Or, you know, I know the shooting across and diving isn't going to be maybe part of the game, but is there anything that you maybe picked up from the Bandits players while watching them? Um, I do think it's cool. Men's lacrosse, even though the, it's still lacrosse, it's a lot different than women's lacrosse with the rules and everything like that. But I do really like the way some of them shoot and can just get the ball in the net so easily. And I try to do some cool shots like them, but sometimes it doesn't work out. <laughs> do you wish that you could actually like be like a like? Do you wish that you could wear like some extra padding, but be able to hit people? Because I know, obviously, in women's lacrosse, you're not allowed to, you know, contact is kind of more so prohibited. Yeah, I feel like if there was a lot more contact with, like, padding, the game would just be a lot different. Um, So I do like how it is now, because I feel like if we had padding, if we were allowed to check each other a lot and, like, hit each other, the game would just be a lot different and maybe easier to defend, too. So I like how it is now. Yeah, so obviously, like uh, like you mentioned, like the men's and women's sticks are a little different, and I'm pretty sure you had a far back shot this year, or I might be confusing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I believe you and Feinauer had a couple shots that were, were, that were a little distant out. Uh, can you kind of just take us through putting more power behind that with the women's stick? Because obviously it doesn't have as deep of a pocket as a men's stick. What do you have to do to get that kind of velocity behind a shot from farther out? Uh, yeah, so I like my sidearm shot. I feel like that um, brings me like more power. And it's easier to just, like, get it in the net. When I'm going sidearm, the defender stick isn't in the way, and I could really rotate, like, my hips and get more power doing that. All right. I kind of have a question. If you're one-on-one with a goaltender, like, what's your go-to move? Because in, in women's lacrosse, there's, you know, free position chances. Uh, where is you go- your go-to spot when you have that one-on-one shot? So my favorite is to fake high in the corner and then shoot low, like, either between their legs or to the side. Yeah, uh, another thing, again, like you mentioned, it says on your Buffalo State Athletics that you played at Frontier. What was the transition from high school slash travel lacrosse to now playing in college? Um, There wasn't much difference. The biggest thing was probably the commitment level um, because in college you're obviously expected to do a lot more, to have a lot more time for the team. And, I mean, I like that because it gets you really close to your teammates and it just gets you into the groove faster. You mentioned that having to, you know, dedicate a lot more time to the team. And I always like to ask the student athletes when they come on, because Lord knows I wouldn't know anything about this. But how do you balance all that, you know, with schoolwork and just being a uh, a student athlete? How do you balance all that? Um, I mean, it is really hard. I just personally like to be busy because. My mind is all over the place all the time, so if I have something to do, it's easier. I don't like being bored. So to be honest, I just schedule my time and just go with the flow. Uh, were you at the Benjis yesterday? Yes. All right. So Evan and I did do the, the kind of like red carpet pre-show, and we 
asked some of these questions to some of the athletes that came up to us. A couple of them were so who at, one at the event who is the best worst dressed there? Like who is the best, but who is the worst dressed? At, at any the event, yeah. oh boy, I have no idea. I'm not gonna say the worst dressed, <laughs> but I did like um, what's her name, Natalie on the basketball team. Is that her name? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, her dress was really cool. I liked it a lot. All right. Um, this is just kind of like a fun little question. Like, out of, out of anyone on the women's lacrosse team, who most likely would be playing the said sport past 40 and maybe like a recreational league? If there was one. Um, hmm. That's a hard one. I feel like my coach. <laughs> like, hmm. Do you ever do you ever feel like that Coach Ob just wants to like get out there and start playing? Like, yeah, how? definitely. I can like see it in her face. She's like, "Oh, I wish I could be out there in that," because she was a goalie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, does did you does she ever like what is there like any like moments that like she just that will always just remember from at least this season that you remember uh, that Coach Ob was just like you like tell people like about her or something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I could tell a lot of times she's very passionate about the game. So on the sidelines, I love like listening to her or just watching her body movements, like when she's excited. Does she ever yell at refs? Oh, yeah. <laughs> is there is there any like funny moments about that? I hope I'm not putting her on the spot because hopefully. Um, I don't know. I mean, one game she got yellow carded. <laughs> for being on the field, but like I think the ref just didn't like us. I mean, they never like us either. I mean, when we're, we're like we're in the booth and we're doing like the the time, they're just like giving us signals, and we're just like we stopped it or we didn't, we reset the shot clock. But you're giving us this signal that we have no idea about. But like, uh, is there any besides obviously the Fredonia goal, the overtime goal, which I believe as of right now has been your best moment i don't want to like like put words in your mouth was there mm -hmm. anything before then that you've like been like oh i will always remember this probably as long as my lacrosse career goes is there a favorite memory you have besides that fredonia moment um yeah probably the first game of the season when um well my first goal my first collegiate goal I feel like I'll always remember that because that kind of set the tone and was like, wow, this is real. Like, I'm actually playing in my first college game. Like, this is really fun for me. And then I think I ended up getting two that game, and they were, like, the same move and everything, just, like, the opposite way. So the one I rolled right and shot with my right hand, and the other I rolled left shot with my left hand. Did you get to keep, like, the ball or anything like that? Um, No, but I did get the game ball at the Fredonia game, me and Tala got the game ball oh, that's cool all right i got another fun question that we asked at the benji's um if you were running for president who would be your running mate so you got to pick one of your teammates and why and why uh i think hmm i feel like annie because well anastasia <laughs> um but because she's very outspoken like more than me so I feel like I could do, like, all the behind-the-scenes work, and she could just do everything else. Yeah, uh, speaking about Annie Wells, actually, her and Nevaeh Hurd and Serena Lewinsky, like, for a lot of the season, were just, like, great defensive helpers in the back end. Can you get kind of describe those three, uh, just being, you know, kind of locked down defenders in the back end? 
Yeah, I love looking up to them on defense. Um, Sab is our backer in our zone, and she just, like, always knows what to do. She's always there. She's always communicating, telling us um, things to do, and I really like being able to trust her behind me. If I get beat, I know she's going to be there. Um, Annie, she's just insane. I think she has, like, she was number one for something, like ground balls maybe or caused turnovers. I think it might have been caused turnovers per game. I yeah, think it might she's have been just insane. Stop. Her stick just automatically intercepts or anything. Um, so I love playing with her too. And Vea, her speed is just insane. I'm sure you've seen some of her goals running down from the defensive end all the way down to the offensive end and scoring. Yeah, no, she has an exciting coast-to-coast ability that you just don't really see out of you know too many lacrosse players, especially out of a defender. Like she can just go coast to coast. She had a couple chances uh, one of the games a couple weeks back, but uh, we do have another question here. Favorite hobby outside of sports? Um, honestly, I like going for walks, like in cool places. The waterfront is nice. Um, on Lake Erie, I like going to Hotel Henry because I'm dorming, so I just walk right over there. It's pretty nice. I I have two. One, what is your I I'm going food side here. Uh <laughs> what is your go-to topping for pizza and then drums or flats? Okay. First, probably just pepperoni. I'm pretty plain with pizza unless it's like a buffalo chicken pizza. I really like that from Wegmans. Um and also drumsticks. I yeah! hate yeah! No, nah, it's flat. Yeah! It's flat. Harrington likes flats. No, no I'm a flat guy because like yeah. it's like just nice and easy. You get the blue cheese right in there, and then it's just a nice like it's bite easy in all on the, the it's on easier drums with too. drums. Nah, I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> right. Now, one thing I always, one thing that I'm always interested in, you, I could hear you. You were talking like with a, with some of your teammates, and you gave them nicknames. And the probably the coolest name on the team, and I think I, you already know where I'm going with this, is uh, Sage Running Rabbit. That's her actual name. This is not like something that she changed. What do you actually? What do you call her? Do you just? Is it just like some something like? Do you just call her Sage, or is there a nickname with her? Um, surprisingly, there's no nickname. It's just Sage. Um, it's cool that that's her last name. I feel like not a lot of people realize like. That's her actual last name, but yeah, there's no nicknames with it. We're just like Sage. What about yours? What do you have a nickname um, or at least something that people shorten on the field? Yeah, so low. A lot of people say because it's easier to say like one syllable. Um, and then like my last name, Reno. Okay. Who, uh, who has the coolest nickname on the team? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like we make up funny names like as jokes like julia she used to always just say mommy and we would just call her that and then we started calling um sabrina brie brie like i don't know we just come up with stupid names that we just say randomly i mean i think that's kind of normal i mean like he's on the hockey team and uh, well you're he's not on the hockey team but he just does like media stuff for the hockey i'm on this I'm a staff member. I, I wish I was on the hockey team. It'd be pretty cool. But I'm a staff member. But yeah, the hockey guys, they have a, a plethora of, of names that they just call each other. Like there's Biz, Frazy, Butsy. There's 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 a bunch. Um, hockey is just kind of I mean, people call you what? Avdog? Or what yeah, are they? That's, that's my go-to common motto. You're, you seem really disappointed about it. 
<laughs> I, I just wish I had a cooler name. <laughs> I mean, um, so now I'm going to get into tab three. So I, like we said, I kind of introduced you to this and I want to know like, and I want to know why, what would be your top three? And we kind of, I stole this top three favorite fictional characters you would like to meet in real life. Okay, the first one is The Grinch because that's my favorite movie and not the animated one. Ah, um, uh, the one, the live action one? Yeah, so The Grinch, I just love him. I'm obsessed with him. I don't know Girls why. Yeah, oh, that was good. Wow, <laughs> I've been coming for Jim Carrey's job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the second one, mm, I would probably say one of the kids in the Magic School Bus because they go on like these crazy adventures with Miss Frizzle. <laughs> Is it the kid that always is just like every he's like always I don't know I I haven't seen the magic school bus in forever. Is it the kid that's always like super antsy and like feels like things are going to go wrong? Oh, is it that kid? Arnold? <laughs> hey. No. <laughs> I mean, you know a lot about the magic school bus way more than any of us. Wow. Yeah, any, I got I, into a little um what's it called? I couldn't stop watching it late at night. <laughs> you you started binging it a lot. Yeah, Magic School Bus. I finished it. Where? What is it like on a streaming platform? Yeah, it's on Netflix. Oh, oh my god! Because you oh. know, like you run out of stuff to watch on Netflix, you just yeah. start diving into these other shows. I know. Like for me, like sometimes I'll just like I've been rewatching Avatar: the Last Airbender, like, and I've watched that probably like four times since it came on Netflix. All right, last last one from your uh, top three. Well. Okay, so it's not a fictional character, but little baby, I would just love to be him. Oh, that's <laughs> He's my good... favorite music artist. Yeah, that's a good segue because I had a top three of my own for my own selfish reasons. You're wearing the shirt right now, so top three little baby songs. I'll start it out. For me, it would probably be. It's gonna make me sound basic. Be like, oh, you just listen to rap caviar, whatever. My top three, I'd say, drip too hard. His feature on wants and needs and pure cocaine. Okay. So you want to know my top three? Yes. Okay. I won't know any of these. <laughs> so right now, so have you heard his new ones? He just came out with uh, three new ones. Just say, don't look at me. Oh, okay. I, say, I <laughs> oh, Evan's the last guy in this room yeah, that's listening to Little Baby. Last guy in the room. People. Like I, like I probably the music I listen to is probably music your parents listened to when they were your <laughs> age. He's a big ACDC. No, P- Pink Floyd's number one for me. But I don't even know if you know what Pink Flo- who Pink Floyd is. Yeah, I know of him. Evan, oh. everyone knows who it's Pink not Floyd. Him. It's him. It's not listening it's to Pink Floyd. Floyd. Them. I know that. I'm thinking we're like ten year olds. Yeah, you are ten year olds to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back on track. Anyway, top three baby songs. Top three baby songs. Okay, his new one. Mm-hmm. I really like "Right On." Yeah, that's one of his new ones. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Hmm, I love a lot of his songs. Probably, I really like the On Me remix with Megan. Mm-hmm. That one's good. What else? Let's let's go with the old one that I've always liked. I probably... Hmm. I like Life Goes On. I like... Oh my god, this is hard. I like <laughs> all of them. I'm his number one fan. <laughs> <laughs> so then... This kind of like the I've been asking like some people with the hockey team and uh, lacrosse lacrosse as well. What would be a goal song if you had one? Oh, it would probably have to be a little baby song. Oh, okay, I think for sure. 
I, I have a top three. Top three goal celebrations. Ooh, okay. So one time I grittied after a goal. I saw that. <laughs> I saw that. I don't know if it was good or not, but. <laughs> uh, I'll give it like a seven out of ten. Uh, it, it wasn't bad. It was yeah, good. not too bad. Okay, so gritty. Uh, one time. Wait, do you want ones that like actually happened or? Uh, whatever you did. I I mean, college, okay. high school, wherever. Um, one time in high school, my one friend Emily, she like bent over, and I tried to roll over her back, but we completely like messed it up. So it was just really funny. Um, and then another one was me and Sage got sturdy. After a goal, that was fun. Would you ever do like a leapfrog? I I I thought you were when when like whoever I can't remember who you said it was that like. But anyways, I would have done like a leapfrog thing. Uh, I got a top. Don't three. you drop the stick like after you score? Like if you think you score, why is that? Yeah. Um, the refs have to check it to make sure your stick is legal. So like if the ball is over the side of the stick when they look, um then it's legal. But if it's not, it's illegal, and they call your goal back. Okay. Because I, I know absolutely very little about lacrosse, so just just curious. Go ahead, Arrington. I'm All sorry. Right. I got a top three really quick. You mentioned that you watched The Magic School Bus, and you just kind of, like, deep dive into Netflix. What are the three, like, weirdest shows that you've, like, just started binge-watching out of nowhere on Netflix? Hmm, weirdest? Okay, Magic School Bus probably one. <laughs> um, This one... I like, it's called The Money Heist. Oh, I watched that one too. It's not really, I don't know if I would say it's weird, but I really like it. Um, And then another one, hmm. I started watching this baking one. I forgot what it's called, but they have to is bake the, the cakes. The, oh, look oh is it cake? Yeah. I think, yeah, I've heard about that. Is it cake? I even see it like on TikTok where it literally looks like, it could be like, like I'll say my sneaker, it'll look like some sneaker, and it'll cut it in, and it's it's an actual cake. Yeah, I was watching that once. I thought you were gonna say the Great British Baking Show. That's why I was like, uh, you know, but then you said I started saying cake. Keep going. I, I I I'm sorry, I cut you off. I think that's two. Um, let's see what other one there. You know, there's a Scream um show series, so I watched that too. How's that? It was good. I liked it. Now, are are you a are you more of like a fan of like shows coming out once a week, like on like what they kind of do on Disney, or are you one of those people that like wants like all the episodes out at once and then you just binge watch it? I like when it's out at once because I like to like watch it on my own time. Like I watch four at a time, then maybe a week goes by and I watch four at another time. You know. Yeah, I feel like when shows drop it like one at all at one time, you get that kind of like emotional attention or like, like attachment to it. Like you kind of mm-hmm. feel like you're more in the show. You feel like you're with it. But like when a show drops just once a week, it's just like you're just kind of waiting for the suspense and it's just not as good. But like yeah. when you're watching it in a whole, the suspense is there. You're like, okay, I got to get to the next episode ASAP. It's just like, just, I don't know, that feeling. I, I love it. Well, we really appreciate you coming on the show. I know when I stop by, well, first off, the introduction to the conversation was really awkward so i apologize about that (laughs) um and also just coming in like literally on short notice i need to be better about that but you came in and that we really appreciate that um uh, definitely looking forward to um 
seeing you next season. And definitely, if I have time, I will make sure that I come by and watch some of your games. And I just want to say thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. And you'll get to sign the autograph wall. So, uh, Lauren Reno on the show in studio with us. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to The Blitz on 91.3 FM WBNY, Buffalo's original alternative station since 1982, brought to you by the Buffalo State Student Activity Fee.